You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, my name is Sean Tice. Excited to have you back on the Let's Talk About Fatherlessness show. I have an exciting guest today, Stephen Arterburn. He's an author and a speaker. Stephen, will you tell us more about yourself? Sure. Um, in 1988, um, after uh, seminary and uh, being involved in psychiatric treatment, um, I started New Life in 1988. It was a venture capital funded company. Um, and we pretty quickly uh, went from their $2 million to $92 million in revenue. And um, when that happened and they wanted to sell the assets, and that's when we spun off New Life Ministries, which um, is a not-for-profit, and that's where New Life Live exists, the radio program that you can hear on Sirius XM, Channel 131, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And in the process of that, I started a, a women's organization, a, really a movement um, called Women of Faith. And for 20 years, we were filling arenas with 18,000, 20,000 women. So we had 5 million women come, and we had over a half million make a first-time decision for Christ. And it was truly one of those remarkable things. And one, one of the great parts of that is that that started in 96. In 95, I had toured around the country, uh, some speakers, and in nine cities, we had a total of less than a thousand people. <laughs> so so I proved in 95 what a failure I was. And then Women of Faith exploded in 96. So I was never, ever confused about whether or not that was me or God. And, and the greatest gift was that failure. And I was never confused about that. Um, so we, um, I love, we've, I've done, my wife and I, we've done 14 Bible projects. We've done the Life Recovery Bible, uh, has sold 4 million copies of that Bible. They were supposed to sell about 100,000 when it came out. Um, but that's pretty exciting. And then um, Every Man's Bible uh, is the best-selling men's study Bible. And so many women say he never read the Bible until he got Every Man's Bible. And my wife and I just finished the one-year Bible for men, the one-year Bible for women, and my latest book is Every Believer's Thought Life. And, of course, that comes out of the Every Man's Battle series. And um, when Every Man's Battle came out, it was the first book about pornography and lust that gave you something to do. It wasn't just about how bad it was, uh, but it, guys really latched onto the things that it told them to do. And now New Life does an Every Man's Battle workshop every month and an intensive with with counselors and intimacy and marriage is another huge huge uh thing that we do an intimacy uh, an intimacy uh, intensive every, on a weekend from Friday to Sunday so i get to watch a lot of lives transform i love doing the radio program and um if you ever want to see us you can catch all of that at newlife.com um or the new life live app that you could find in the app store you have a few things going on. Kids. Married and have five kids. <laughs> you have a few things going on, right? A couple things. Yeah. 
But yeah. I thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be able to talk to us about fatherlessness today. And I'm sure you, through all your ministry experience, you've seen many different trends with fatherlessness related to um, the issues that you deal with in your ministry. And so I just appreciate it. Would you just take some time right now to uh, just share anything with your story of fatherlessness with anybody you know or anything like that? Sure. Um, by the way, um, Stacy Sadler and I wrote a book, Understanding and Loving your child is a single parent. So I want to be sure that anybody that is, uh, you know, thinking about, or you're in a, you are a single dad, it's for you and could be very, very helpful. But um, one of the things that I like to do is talk about the things that other people don't talk about. I think most people are quite aware of the impact that fatherlessness has on society, on the child, you know, worse grades, poverty for the uh, mother, just horrible stuff. And um, and so we need dads. But what I like to talk about is what do we do about the impact and how do we prevent it from being so bad? And um, so I like to talk about every young man's job is to get over his mother. Mm. Now, why do I focus on that when it's about fathering? Because just on our radio program today, uh, there was a story of a woman wanting to engage with her son, and uh, they were divorced, and the father was sabotaging that, interfering with that. And my advice was you have to get on board with, he needs to get on board with you because his job as a father is to help this son get over his mother. Yeah. You will hear stories of dads living with three women and abuse and all this, and they're angry at mom because she didn't prevent it or, or whatever. So the, the best thing that a guy can do is help his son not have mommy issues because you could end up being king baby uh, you know, because you didn't get from mom what you want. So you're always looking for mommy things. You could end up uh, taking out on every woman you're with the things that you wish you could take out on your mother. You could end up, if your mom was so controlling, using pornography because it's the only time you have an interaction with a female, not a real interaction, yeah. uh, where you're in control and you want to be in control. So with all the other things that we can do and deal with, a great father makes sure that he's not making mom look like the bad person and realizes that she knows more about the house than anybody. So she's going to have more rules and stuff during the day. And, but he's called to be the leader. And it's almost like um, in dance, my wife and I do a little dance class, and um, almost every time the woman is the better dancer, but the guy is called to lead. That's I think that's fascinating, hmm. but it makes sense because if the inferior dancer isn't called to lead, she's just going to run off and leave it. You know, so we have to step up, and when you are the head of the household. But she knows so much more about the household. You really have to get into Ephesians 5 in the complete, you know, Ephesians 5 is where it says women need to submit to their husbands. 
But after that, it has about a hundred words. Those are about 40 words, depending on translation. Then there are about a hundred words on dying to self for sake of oneness in the marriage. And so um, if you're not on that track where your leadership is serving, if your uh, partnership isn't dying to yourself, but expecting her to be a doormat to your dictatorship, you got to get on board with the way God really intended it. And then that way your son sees a healthy relationship with your, his mom, women, and he won't drag that around with him. But I like to start with, does the child have issues with the mom? Now, let's say the mom is a active drinking alcoholic. Well, of course, he's going to have issues. So you enabling evil to exist in your home is not good. And you might kind of like her being drunk all the time and you're in control. You're the good guy. But it's so damaging. So I like to start there. You got to deal with the mom stuff. You must be healthy. You must be the adult in the room. And if you don't have a mutual uh, submissive relationship, submission, servanthood, dying to self, then I guarantee you it's it's not healthy. And I got to fix that first. And there's so many so many uh, single moms where they kind of put it on their sons where they end up treating them like the spouse, like the dependent. And so what would you say to a fatherless individual that's dealing with that? They're trying to become somebody. They're trying to become a, a man. They're trying to get married, but the mom's fighting it because she's used to having them as the uh, the, the man of the house. What would you say to somebody like that? Well, um, it's it's real. It happens all the time. Uh, some mothers raise their sons to never leave. No question about it. Yeah. And uh, when a guy senses that, then he needs to find whatever help he can find. What is? How does that help happen? A men's Bible study. Men become men in the company of men. So get involved in a men's Bible study. And there, uh, whether it's in the study, if it's appropriate, or on the way to the parking lot, you can talk to one of these guys that's really wise and ask, what do I do? Another thing is maybe um, the only help you can get is through a pastor. Go to that pastor. Ask for help. Um, and then... Maybe there's a men's book study or men's group or whatever, but you really need to take the initiative. And if there, maybe you work at a job where counseling is a benefit, you want to take that benefit because really it is such a gift to yourself and a gift uh, to your wife that you don't have this gaping father wound. And here's the thing we have to forgive uh, our dads. We have to forgive absent dads or disconnected dads. And I don't think uh, we do a very good job of going through the process of forgiveness. A lot of times in the Christian community, we're told to forgive. We go, okay, I've forgiven. Well, did you really? I don't know. I think you have to see realistically what was there. And then you have to grieve what wasn't there. 
Uh, if you didn't have a great dad, that's lost to you. You have to grieve that. And when you gr- go through the grief process over that, you can now come up from that grief and start to see him as a broken human being. You can start to wonder, how did he get like this? And you discover uh, his childhood was horrific. And he might even think, I've heard this, that being away from you was a gift to you because he thought he would destroy you. Um, So anyway, we've got to grieve and then we come to accept the reality and we can come to accept him as a broken human being rather than a bad dad. And then when that happens, we can be free and we can, um, whatever needs we have, we can find that father image for us, that older man who wants to put uh, some of his wisdom into a younger guy. We can find ways to fill in any holes. But first, we have to see that it's our job, nobody else's, to get over the father deficit through grief and forgiveness work. And a lot of people have never been told, you need to grieve before you can fully forgive. Grieving lets you detach from that horrible thing that you were lacking because of your dad. Amen. Yeah. And I, I went through that process myself and I completely understand what you're saying there. Um, and when I, you, you, you're an expert on, on the issue of pornography. Um, you, I was introduced to you as a teenager reading your every young man's battle and every man's battle uh, books and just interesting books. I think I even had the audio book of it. And then I listened to you on as when I was in college back in the early two thousands, you had the uh, new life live podcast. I'm sure you still, you have that now. And I, I was, we, still, I just, we have a I radio show. Yeah, yeah. We have a radio show. Yeah. All that. Well, and, and so you're, you guys know the issue of pornography, anything related with fatherlessness and pornography. I know you, you talked a little bit about it a few minutes ago, but anything you want to unpack on that? Sure. So, Here's something you didn't read all those years ago, but it's in the second edition. One of the things that we've discovered over the past few years is why a man who married a woman he loved comes to hate her so quickly. So here's how that happens. Um, When a mom is feeding her baby, she is uh, the, the hormone oxytocin is flowing. And uh, it's kind of in the air, so to speak. And it does two things. It provides kind of a supernatural bond to her child. And it makes her aggressive to anything that is a threat to what she's bonded to. So she hears a tiger outside the cave. She goes out there and kills that tiger. So that when she's asleep, it doesn't come in and kill her baby. That's what she does. So when a man has... Uh, an orgasm, he also, um, there's a bonding hormone released, the oxytocin hormone. There's a spike in dopamine, that's, you know, the rush and all, but then there's oxytocin. It's a bonding hormone and it gives you that feeling of well-being and whatever you were with, you love that and it bonds you supernaturally to your spouse. When you use pornography, same hormone, bonds you to the pornography. And the other thing it does, it makes you aggressive toward anything that's a threat 
to the pornography you're bonded to. So all of a sudden now she's the enemy, not your wife. And you don't even know you're doing this, but everything about her uh, is a threat and everything changes. When we were able to uncover that, a lot of guys, their eyes opened for the first time and they saw that it had happened exactly that way. And so I, I just encourage men to look at the devastation that's being caused by pornography because many guys get rejected by the spouse or found out and then she divorces him and now we have the fatherless situation. So um, you need to do whatever it takes to get rid of that one particular problem. That's that's good. And now, do they ever go turn to pornography for comfort of a fatherless situation, like a fatherless individual? Sure. Absolutely. Do they ever turn to that just to kind of be comfortable to, to find an outlet. Is that what you ever, you ever find? Sure. That? People turn to different things, whether it's yeah. food, pornography, gambling, or um, whatever. You know, everybody finds something if they're in this deficit mode where you need something to compensate for the pain, and uh, it's just. Never a good thing, ever. Yeah. Now, with your new book, you talk about the thought life. And yeah. with thoughtlessness, there's a lot of thoughts that people deal with, rejection, and and they look at God in the wrong way because they look at God like they look at their dad. Anything with that that you, uh, with the thought life uh, regarding relating to thoughtlessness? Well, um, you know, this book that I did with Marcus Brotherton, I think it might be my best book, Every Believer's Thought Life. The last time we wrote a book together, it was book of the year. But here in this book, you have ways of dealing with your thought life versus just telling you you're bad if it's out of control. And everybody has a different thing. Some it's, you know, lust and all of that. And others, it's anger. Other it's worry, a lot of anxiety and worry. And so this book does two things. It provides you with a strategy on the top but also a way of getting below to find out what is causing this particular thought life problem. And so often, you know, we're trying to manage up here, you know, like anger management. What's that versus anger resolution? And so that's what we try to lead you to. Kind of comes off the verse uh, Jeremiah 6.14, where Jeremiah couple thousand years ago said, well, more than that, um, from prophets to priests, you are all guilty. You treat the mortal wounds of my people with superficial treatments and you don't even blush. So a lot of times in the Christian community, uh, we have some very band-aid-y kinds of suggestions, very superficial treatment. You never want to be that way. And so you know, in the morning, I uh, start with three um, things and and a couple of add-ons. I start with God, not me, because I want to put God before everything, especially me. Then I say God with me. Then others before me, and then others beside me, and then me, the real me. I put all that together to kind of get my thought life set. And then I'm reading scripture, praying, and when something comes up, if that's your regular practice, um, you can get rid of that thought pretty quickly. It's not complicated. And one of the strategies we have is 
if you've got this internal grumbling dialogue against your wife or whatever, you can turn that into what God wants, and that's prayer. You go, dear Lord, she's, uh, you know, she's she's not perfect, God. And here I am again. So you can turn the complaint into a prayer and spending time with God. And that's what God wants, pray without ceasing. So that's just one of those uh, strategies. Um, also, I would just say this. Uh, there's a, I quote this old preacher, Chalmers, back in the early 1800s. He wrote a sermon called, listen to this, The Expulsive Power of a Higher Affection. And he talks about it's not just giving up this, getting rid of a thought. You really want to get rid of it. You have to have something you want more, a higher affection. So be sure you're not just thinking, I'm going to quit something. Uh, People that are delivered, let's say you're delivered from alcoholism. I've known people that that's happened. They didn't They didn't want another drink instantly, but they weren't delivered into character. And the people around them weren't delivered from their resentment and bitterness. So we have to be sure that we go out. That's out of the way. I need, if I'm going to keep it out of the way, I need something I'm going toward. Character, humility, surrender, sacrifice, those kind of things. I've got to replace those uh, bad, crummy thoughts with, well, uh, John Piper says he calls it a superior pleasure, that I have more pleasure in going for good and pure than I ever did in dwelling on those crummy thoughts. Now, I've, I've just shifting gears here. I've, I've listened to your your show and I've heard of, you know, a variety of guests. They call in, they ask questions and things like that. Now, just to kind of shift gears and we'll probably just, this will be our last segment. But so you had three different guests come on. The first one would be, and we'll, we'll share them again, but first one would be a dad that walked out on his kids. And he's trying to restore the relationship. What would you say to them? A uh, second one would be a single mom. What would you say to a single mom? that's freshly new single mom, um, how to start, how to, how to kind of rebuild her life. And the third one is a fatherless um, individual and they're trying to work through fatherlessness. I know you've already talked about that a bit, but what else would you say to them? So starting with the dad that's trying to restore a relationship with his kids, what would you say to a dad that calls in? Well, it takes um, humility and perseverance. You want them to know that you realize you've made a mistake and you want to make it right. And when they say they want no part of you, you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to have to figure out another way to get them open to me. And so that might be letter, email, text. uh, But sometimes if you've been gone 20 years, it's going to take a couple of years of never, ever giving up. So that's that's the main thing. Humbly admitting you were wrong um, and then never giving up on wanting that relationship and then being sure that you're able to talk about the things you've done to build character so that that mistake would never be made again. Because a guy that's been abandoned by dad doesn't trust him. Yeah. And and most likely you need to do a lot of makeup work with the mother, uh, not to be married again, but she needs to support you and see that you're different. And if you're not different, go be different and then try to resume that relationship. 
Now, the second one was a mother who's raising a son by herself. Well, a single mom, just mother or son, either way, but yeah. Okay. So if you're a single mom, you need to do some things that I did. If you have a son, um, I had a daughter and I was the single dad and I brought, well, on her 16th birthday, there was a birthday party. I didn't attend, but it was attended by Madeline and the six women that I had brought around to put into her life, different ages, different gifts. And on that video birthday party, because I wanted to see it, they shared their best memory and the characteristic they loved about Madeline. She is so healthy. She's my adopted daughter, 32, married just with her. Um, She is a delight. And I have to tell you, it wouldn't be that way if I hadn't brought these other women around. So you need some, uh, even if you're raising a daughter, it's so important. And you're a mother, bring some other women into her life. If it's a guy, bring some men into his life that could have an impact on him. Uh, that's, that's, so that's, that's the main thing I can say. Also, um, you need to set limits on what's okay and what isn't. And if his anger is rage, then he needs to be, the child needs to be in counseling. You need to yeah. resource. A resourcing parent is a good parent. And uh, that takes some humility there. Now, what about a parent that's scared of, just real, real quick on this one. What about a parent that's, that's never really thought of counseling or scared about counseling? Because I know some people have a lot of hesitancy towards counseling. What do you, what do you, what would you say to a parent like that? Well, let's say that you think counseling's wrong or you have problems with it. So if you're right, um, then all of these universities, Christian universities committed to Jesus that have a counseling department, my seminary had a counseling department, then you're saying that they're all wrong, that the people that have committed their lives to be Christian counselors are wrong, and you are right. You have to get over that. Uh, They're not wrong. They're wonderful people that are called to deal with tough things. So once I can say, okay, it's not bad to have counsel. People say, well, Paul didn't have a counselor. Well, he didn't have a dentist either. That doesn't mean he wouldn't have benefited from. So you have to see that you're not an authority here. And these other people that have committed their lives, they're serving Jesus. But look, um, you can go to a counselor. And if you don't like it, you don't ever have to come back. Right? Yeah. So I would really, I would really consider why you resist. Yeah. And then the third now, one was fatherless individual, just somebody that is fatherless. How would you, what would you say to them? Well, you need to adopt a father or a grandfather, one or the other. And you need to have a relationship with that person. You need to go through a grieving process over your dad that we talked about before. And you need to look at the residue that's in your life from this fatherlessness. Is it an addiction? Is it a dependency? Is it rage? Is it depression? And you have to commit yourself to doing whatever it takes to take care of that problem. Um, Versus, this is my dad's fault. What does that get you? Nothing. You can be such a great, powerful man if you can finally get over the fact that your dad didn't show you 
how to be that. And you can be a man and competent without needing to be angry to show you're powerful or controlling. So there's a whole journey of healing and restitution and repair that you can get on and life opens up for you or you can stay doing the same thing, proving to yourself you're wrong because you're continuing to be miserable. Nobody needs to be miserable. That's so true. Now, as we wrap up, is there anything else you've seen? I mean, you travel all over the place. You've spoken multiple places. You have a lot of experience. And anything else you've seen in our country relating to fatherlessness that you would like to share with our our guests? The worst dad is not a bad dad. It's the dad that is really crummy in treating the kids. And the next day, all loving as if nothing had happened. That is devastating to a child. It would be better if you were consistently mean. You understand what I'm saying? Because I can deal with mean dad. But when it's mean and then all love and then mean and that produces some really weird personalities. So if you're not consistent, you need to make that your goal to be a consistent dad. That's really good. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, As we wrap up, Stephen, would you just share uh, where to find you, more information on how to connect with you and and your organization? Well, uh, the website is newlife.com, N-E-W-L-I-F-E.com, and the phone number is 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's simple. And you're you're also on all social media platforms, I'm assuming. Every platform you can find. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for sharing your insights and, and giving us information about fatherlessness. We really appreciate it. Thank you, and uh, you keep up the great work you're doing. To learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry, visit lifefactors.org where you can find some free resources. You can find our books that we have. You can find some, even the program that we have to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church. We can all work together to lead fatherless families to the Heavenly Father.